following podcast may contain horse language. <laughs> Listener discretion is advised. Hello and welcome to Flick Smacks. I am one of your hosts, Terrence. I would happen to be the other host, Scott. Oh, hi, Scott. Oh, hi, Terry. How are you? Good. This How are is. Things? Oh, things are great. Things okay. are great. This is season three, episode two. Du. Yes. Episode du. Du. We're French. And, uh,. Yeah, we're going to be talking about a movie that came out in 1990, mm-hmm. directed by William Peter Blatty. Yes. Starring George C. Scott. Yes. Ed Flanders. Brad yes. Dorif. Ned, Ned Flanders? Ned Flanders. Yes. And it is called The Exorcist Three: Legion. Oh. Yes. In, in some circles. Which which version of this did you watch? Did you watch the real version or the ex or the director's cut? I watched the version that was on Amazon. Okay, so then that's the regular version because because otherwise we might be talking about two two completely different movies. I don't know where to find the director's cut. It is on the Scream Factory release oh, okay. of Exorcist Three. The director's cut is available on that. I and do not I, have that one. Yes, and I, I have some trivia that we can talk about some of that stuff going oh. forward. The differences between the movies. Oh. So there. <clears throat> the movies. Movies. Right. Okay, so yeah. So like you oh. said, yeah, we're doing Exorcist 3. Um, George C. Scott takes all over the role of Kinderman from Lee J. Cobb, who died not too long after the original Exorcist. And as it happens, this is this would be the first of two times that George C. Scott took over a role or did a role that was originated by Lee J. Cobb. Really? There was a there was a remake of Twelve Angry Men. Oh yes. And, and Lee Lee J. Cobb played juror number three, as did George C. Scott. And wow. Wow. coincidentally, the remake of Twelve Angry Men was directed by the guy who I'm his biggest fan, William Friedkin. So <laughs> he's not your biggest fan though. He's not my biggest. Fan. Tell everybody why again. It's I don't know. I tagged him or something in in on Twitter and so he blocked me. Well, he's a little some bitch. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah and, and, and funny enough, um, I just I'm just moving on now. We can we can we can just drop him. Uh, George C. Scott signed on for this movie without even having seen the original Exorcist. And he just uh, liked this. He just liked this script. Well, it's. Uh, I picked this movie because it is one of my favorite horror movies. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of polarizing. Either you love it or you hate it. But there, I think there's a lot more love now than when it was released. Right. Uh, I did see it in the theater when I was. Mm, must have been fourteen. Yeah. And uh yeah, there's a there's a jump scare in there that stuck with me for quite a few years. Um but uh yeah, let's get into it. I'll read a little little synopsis here. Right. So basically background is uh the original Exorcist, nineteen seventy-three. Um Reagan McNeil gets possessed by, you know, uh, a demon of sorts. Yes. Yada yada yada. Um, Jason Lee. Um, Jason, Jason Lee. Or, not Jason Lee. <laughs> Jason Lee. Wow, that's a casting. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Um, yeah, Jason, Jason Miller. Jason Miller. Um, plays Father Damien Karras. Um, they perform an exorcism. The demon goes into him. He jumps through the window falls down 
a giant set of stairs and dies at the end of the movie, or so we think. Yes. And uh, sorry, my dog's scratching himself over here, and you can probably hear it. I thought you were in prison, and that sounded like the jailman coming with keys to let you out. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's a little bit of background. So, yeah, so yeah, the, synop- a- the synopsis on this is a police lieutenant uncovers more than he bargained for as mm-hmm. his investigation of a series of murders which have all the hallmarks of a deceased Gemini killer leads him to question the patients of a psychiatric ward. Yes. Okay. Before I get into a little bit of trivia here, um, we, we have to play the, the fan favorite. Uh, what are you drinking? Oh boy. Yeah. Okay. So, I'll guess you okay. pre-warned me that this, I probably won't get this. Which leads me to believe that you selected a beverage that you knew I could not guess. Yes. In fact, we we were potentially recording last night, and I, in preparation, had a drink then. And by having that drink prepared for last night, I have now ran out of that drink, so I had to come up with something else. So I, I was playing to win two days in a row. Thanks. So, I'm going to guess chocolate milk. Wow, you are actually so close. Mm. Like like the the ingredient is incorrect, but the substance is. Is it like strawberry quick? Yes. Wow, wow, that's that's, wow. that's <laughs> see, I had to think outside the box. Yes, see, I shouldn't have warned you because then you wouldn't have gone that broad. Because because yesterday would have been even harder because I combined two things, and I know I've combined two things before that that are similar, but this was two different things. I had Sprite Zero. Wow, that with a little squirt of cherry blackberry mio. What is happening over there? That I I didn't think you would get that one, but well, I'm I'm very impressed. But I'm happy you've guessed it, so I can actually start drinking it before it gets too warm. All right, you probably know what I'm drinking. Um, I also I'll just start off with Pepsi Zero. That's right. Okay. All right. All right. So that was a good round. That was a good round. Let's do a round of applause there. That was well played. Um. So yeah, I'll get to some of the trivia here. Like you said, this um, William Peter Blatty wrote and directed this. He's the author of the original Exorcist, and he authored the book that this movie was based on, entitled Legion. And the original book did not even have any exorcisms in it. Really? Yes. Oh yeah, and, I guess they had. To. And they had finished principal photography when they realized, oh wait. There's no exorcisms in this, and it might be misleading. So then they had to tack on that whole exorcism that happened at the end of the movie. Yeah, but it wouldn't really be misleading because, um, you know, I mean, there is one of the exorcists from the original is in this movie. Yes. And um, two studios were vying for this movie. And, uh, Blatty ended up going with Morgan Creek because the other one, Carol Co, um, wanted it to be about grown-up Regan having possessed twins. Oh. Yes. Awesome. And he, he did not want that. I'm glad she's not in this movie. Yes. And originally, uh, Blatty wanted John Carpenter to direct the movie. I did know that. But John Carpenter then realized after a little bit of time that Blatty seemed more interested in directing it himself. And this is the favorite movie of Jeffrey Dahmer. Oh, well. Yes. So you are in rare company by enjoying the movie as much as you do. Well, that's not the only thing we have in common. Oh, there are many different things I could bring up that you could have in common with them. But um, I will just leave it at that. We don't have time for that right now we could do a separate podcast yes what do we have in common with jeffrey dahmer (laughs) 
<laughs> no, what you do. <laughs> I'm sure you have a couple things in common with them too. Well, I mean, yeah, we both have hair. So yeah, this uh, basically starts off with um, some evil force entering this church. Well, yeah, it's like yeah. start. It starts off kind of like the original in the way that there's a blaring sun mm. um, and and tubular bells plays tubular bells. And then it kind of has a, a shot of the original stairs mm-hmm. um, with the reverse roll of fog instead of mm-hmm. rising up the stairs, it's coming back down. Um, then yes, we get a quite a, quite a scene where, there's some entity is entering a church. Yeah. And then there's like a wooden Jesus and his eyes open all of a sudden. And it it just totally looked like some sort of like team America marionette. And it was like, yeah, it was just kind of weird. Yeah. There was a couple things in this movie that were strange. Like the, the wife of Kinderman, all of her dialogue was overdubbed. Oh really? I didn't even notice that. You, You could tell. Yeah. Like, um, you know, just when the voice kind of doesn't doesn't match like the audio from the scene. Mm, right. So I don't I don't know if the the actress didn't have a good speaking voice or whatever, but you can tell it's all overdubbed. Mm. And she doesn't have a lot of lines in the movie. No. That's one of the things I don't like about it. But. Yeah. And and at the beginning there's a little bit of a cameo of a not really cameo because I guess it's a starting out by the actor named Kevin Corrigan who plays um, an altar boy right at the beginning. Who's, who's talking to the one priest. Um, I, I can't even remember what the, he was doing, but he was just asking about something and then he left. You never saw him again, but he's gone on to been then like, he's got over 160 film and TV credits, like including the departed and playing professor professing professorson from the community the conspiracy episode um yeah. but yeah he's been in lots of different things he just had a little part there so there's a, quite a few with little cameos like like fabio fabio larry king uh which weird that we watched this movie on the day we did and and larry king had just passed yeah um, uh, patrick ewing doing a being a tarot card dealer yeah yeah yes yeah that scene is got you know yeah some drain strange dream sequence that we'll yeah we'll get to but yeah so starts off basically with you a, know showing like without <sighs> there's a murder taking place but they don't actually show it it's kind of like uh i don't know implied show, yeah, something supernatural is happening it's implied yes. and uh so then we find out that uh an altar boy has been murdered. Yeah. Um, in a quite is a disturbing fashion. Part of, he's part of some police youth group. So that's why the Kinderman. Kinderman yeah. Knows. And there's a reason why he's been murdered. Yeah. There's all these things are connected eventually. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So Kinderman's investigating this. Yeah. Um, and then he meets up with his old, he meets up with the father because they go see movies together. Yeah, Father um, Dyer. Yeah. And afterwards they go for a meal. And I thought this was, you know, it'd be un PC to say so at this, during this time. Like they wouldn't have this line in the movie. But he's talking about reasons why he, he's pretty sure there's no God. And he says, you know, because of all these things that are out there, he's like, cancer murders monsters prowling the planet mongoloid babies yeah yeah <laughs> i don't think that would be appropriate to be uh saying in in movies now oh you know yeah but it's okay for me to say it here that was 31 years ago yeah, yeah so, so uh yeah we just kind of goes along there's yeah, a there's then another there's then there's murder. a priest murdered. Yeah, in or, a confessional um, booth. Yeah, I guess he's a priest, isn't he? Yeah. Um and uh 
Yeah, it's a pretty good scene actually. It's yeah, yeah. It's um, yeah, some like distorted voice or whatever is making a confession and stuff like that, and then yeah, he ends up killing the priest, and then yeah, so then then Father Dyer ends up in the hospital. Yeah, and um, and then I I I he 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 then he quotes Spaceballs by telling some nurse that the, may the Schwartz be with her. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of that type of dialogue in this movie between Kinderman and uh, Father Dyer. Yeah. Kind of like... And this is, uh, yeah, and this is kind witty. of followed... Yeah, witty banter. Yeah, because they, they've known each other for years or whatever, and yeah, they're just... Uh... And, then, and then this is when Kinderman has that dream sequence where he sees all these well, celebrities, it's like he's in some sort of afterlife, some sort of train station like in the purgatory afterlife. or something. Yeah, and it's filled with all these celebrities and murder victims that of cases he's had, like the recent killing of the the kid from the police thing. But then he sees Father Dyer there too, and then I think that's he realizes that you know that dream is actually real, and Father Dyer is now dead. Yeah, the dream kind of ties in with what's happening to Father Dyer at the that moment mm-hmm. um, he's getting killed yes so um, yeah the the so the murders are all kind of I don't know they're well written I think they're kind of mm-hmm. you know sadistic yet artful in a way yeah um, so then I guess Kinderman starts to question a lot of stuff yeah, see, at the hospital where where Dyer was at was a patient was also has like an insane asylum or like just where a bunch of like comatose people like people just discarded people I guess you might say are are housed and stuff like that. So um, he starts questioning all those people, and and there's there's a part I don't know how much you watched old older Conan O'Brien's. But there's a part where this old man in a wheelchair flashes like one of the nurses. Like yeah. you don't see it. <laughs> yeah. That guy used to be on Conan O'Brien. He played a character named Carl Oldie Olson. Yeah, I've and, seen that that actor yeah. and things yeah. before. And but yeah, he was he was like a reoccurring character on the late night with Conan O'Brien. It's just playing an old dude. You know, since you know he was an old dude. And this is where he talks to the woman who is having problems with her radio. Yeah. She's then, like semi catatonic. Yeah, and she's like, "Here, are you here to fix the radio?" And she, there's no radio there. She's just holding up nothing. And he says, "Yes, I'm here to fix the radio." And she says, "I knew you were at the radio radio repairman because this is a telephone." Yeah, yeah. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah, this is you know, Kinderman starts wondering what's going on here, mm-hmm. and uh, this is where he kind of they kind of explain like yeah there's a big gemini killer exposition yeah so the gemini killer was like um he was on the gemini killer case and it was a big serial murder thing Mm -hmm. and this was geez i don't even know 15 years yeah it was 15 15 years. years so 15 years before current time yeah when the movie's taking place 15 years before um, the Gemini killer was executed. Yeah, executed. But um, the police leaked wrong information to weed out all the crazy people that claimed to be the Gemini and yeah. never released his actual modus operandi and like yeah. signature. Yeah. I don't, signature calling cards. Yeah. But now the, the, um, the young boy. Yeah, and and Dyer. the priest and yeah. Father Dyer have all the earmarks of, of the actual of the signature. actual signatures of the Gemini killer, mm-hmm. but that's impossible because the Gemini killer was executed. Yes, which so, seems the legal system seemed to be much swifter back then because he wasn't on death row very long if he was caught fifteen years and killed fifteen years ago. So yeah. They, yeah, there's no due process there with appeals or anything like that. It's like, okay, you're gone. Yeah. So he must have been terrible. Terrifying. Yes. Terrible. So uh, then we kind of realize 
Um, Everything's uh, connected but, to the McNeil. All yeah. the murders are connected to uh, Regan. And uh, this is kind of around the time that um, Kinderman discovers that um, Father Karras isn't actually dead, so to speak. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's actually in one of the the cells in yeah. the insane asylum part of the mm-hmm. hospital. And so he goes in and checks it out for himself. And sure enough, you know, he's in disbelief. Yeah. He can't believe that Father Karras, who was in the original Exorcist, mm-hmm. Jason Miller, yeah. is, uh, is sitting in this cell. Yeah. So then he has a conversation with him. And uh, this is where we discover that it's not actually Father Karras. It's just his body. Yeah. The soul of the Gemini killer mm-hmm. was placed inside the dead body of as by the by the master or whatever Zuzu or yeah. whoever yeah as a revenge for him for for uh, you know Father Karras getting rid of the demon from Regan yeah and they, they they possess him again with this Gemini killer so the Gemini killer's soul is now in inside Father Karras's body I guess there's a little bit of Father Karras's soul left in there yeah um. So basically the Gemini killer is doing the work of the demon that was cast mm-hmm. out of Reagan McNeil in the yeah. original exorcist. I, it all sounds kind of dumb, yeah. but it makes and, sense. And it's the reason why it's happening now is because the father Karras's brain was, he says was mush and it took 15 years of his spirit being inside father Karras's body for him to rebuild the mind so yeah. that he's able to now have full control of the body. And so, um, Kinderman actually believes this, I think because the Gemini killer slash father Karras tells him details of a murder that the Gemini killer did that was never made public. Yeah. Um, so, and then we kind of, it's not really, you know, the few more things happen, a few more murders. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we find out that the Gemini killer goes into like a deep catatonic state and he can control the old people who are in who close are, to catatonic states. Who are, yeah close to catatonic and mm-hmm. then they are going out and doing the murdering for him. Yes. Cause he can't get out of the cell. Um, yeah. And one thing that we mentioned is that the appearance of the killer is shown to us, but obviously it's, it's only for us to yeah. show the difference. Cause obviously it there's, there's no real, like his face doesn't change. So George C. Scott isn't seeing it. He's just hearing the killer. We're just and seeing the, Gemini we're seeing killer. it. And of course that's, it's played by Brad Dorif. Underrated um, actor. Yes. Very young at the time. Yeah. And wow, looks young anyways. And this would be the second time he's played a serial killer who goes in to possess <laughs> something yeah. else. Yes. Him being the voice of, you know, Chucky yeah. from the Charles play. So Charles Lee Ray. Yes. Charles Nelson Riley. Is That's that right. Yeah. So um yeah, then uh, we see uh, what I think is one of the best jump scares in any movie I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Um, the hallway scene, you know, they build yeah. it up for a good two, three yeah. minutes. They keep it on like a long shot, just showing the whole hallway for the whole time and all the goings and stuff going happening and there. the way they set it up, she goes into that room and wakes up. He must be... I don't know if he's a patient or a janitor that's just having a break. Mm. But then, you know, you think, oh, that's the jump scare of the scene. Yeah. But then, you know, there's a good one. Yeah. I don't want to ruin it, but. There's, um, flying, there's flying monkeys. So anyways, um, the Gemini killer tells Kinderman, he's like, you know, I'm, you know, I'm going to punish you. Like, yep. you know, because he punched him in the face. Yes. 
He's like, I'm going to punish you. So he's like, I'm going to do some he's like, stuff. Are you, he's like, uh, are you prepared to dance or something like that? And so yeah. he's, he's hinting at Kinderman's daughter, who's a dancer. And so he's prepared. He's hinting that he's going to go after the daughter. So he kills the nurse, yeah. the jump scare scene. Um, so then he, he says to Kinderman, you know, after that, he says, oh, did you get my message? Mm-hmm. And um, his message was, you know, I'm, I'm doing this. This is happening. I'm, you know, yeah. I'm capable. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then, yeah, there's, um, oh, and uh, the doctor, the main yes. doctor gets killed as well. Scott Wilson. Oh, yeah, it is Scott Wilson. Yep. But was he murdered or did he commit suicide? I think they made it look like he was committed suicide because i think he they had this he showed the syringe with the medication that the gemini killer uses to paralyze the patient so he can set just a cycling or something yeah shit. whatever it is and they've 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 set it up that if you use too little um you know they get sick or something like that and if you use too much they die so there's a certain amount that they have to use so i think they made it out that he used way too much in order to kill himself to be or to make it look like he's the one that's been committing these murders so and this is around the time that we find out that um that old women can crawl on ceilings that and that the murders are all connected yes so the the first young boy that gets decapitated and mm-hmm. crucified, yeah, he is the son of the linguistics mm-hmm. expert in the first movie that yeah. discovers that Reagan was talking in reverse English. Yes. Um, the priest that was killed um, gave Father Karras the permission to pursue an exorcism Mm -hmm. and father Dyer. um, He was like the, he was just, what was it? He was friends with. Yeah. I think he was friends with Karis. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and then the other, the other murders are just rewards. The Gemini says. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah. And then, uh, we kind of get to like the big climactic ending mm-hmm. um, where one of the old ladies um, gets, you know, it's taken bizarre. over yeah. by the Gemini, heads to Kinderman's house. Um, and but first impersonates Kinderman on the phone to say yes. that, they're, they're, that there's a nurse coming by to drop off a package and so but kinderman's calling at the same time is getting a business signal yeah so then the audience knows that he's actually not the one talking to them yeah yeah and uh so he figures it out oh you know my family's in danger yeah gets to the house the nurse is there mm-hmm. um and she tries to cut the daughter's head off in front of everybody but the mm-hmm. grandmother saves saves kinderman's daughter um, yeah. And then the old lady has like a demonic episode and then beats a couple people up and then passes out. Yeah. Cause I think at the same time, an exorcism has started with Karis' yes. physical body. And so, so you know, Gemini killer has left the old lady's body in order to, to fight off the exorcism. Yeah. Father morning has arrived at mm-hmm. the, the insane asylum in the cell and is going to perform an exorcism. And then there's one kind of gruesome scene where he gets thrown onto the ceiling and he's trying, and his face is stuck to the ceiling and he moves away. And it's like his whole side of his face is just getting peeled off. Yeah. So the movie is really excellent up until this scene. Mm. Like, I don't know. Yeah. There's it's, it's pretty jumbled at this part too. Yeah. Like, like, I it's was, almost like, okay, now we got to end the movie. Let's just force this. Yeah. Like it, you know it, what I mean? Like, like I said, yeah, they had to add this. They added the exorcism scene afterwards. So it just seemed very piecemeal together. And like, um, Kinderman comes into the cell and he sees the Bible on the floor. 
like immediately he's looking down sees the vial but he doesn't see this you know corpse that's been peeled that's the father that's sitting in the corner who's not really dead no he's just he's just kind of effed up yes yeah and then so then yeah then they he gets thrown around kinderman gets thrown around and he gets stuck to the ceiling yeah you know he doesn't try to peel himself off though and uh just the weird lighting and like use of like spotlights and like just Mm -hmm. weird. I don't know. Yeah. And, and then, so yeah, so then the. Hold on one sec. What? Sure. Okay. Okay. I'll yeah. leave that in. Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, so then um, the father mourning or whatever, you know, comes more aware and he like continues with the exorcism and he releases Karis from the bot, his own body long enough that he can shout out to Kinderman saying, shoot me, Bill, shoot me, you know, yeah. end it. So then that way he can kill him and then, you know, and that spirit gets released or whatever. Yeah. Is it, the whole last like three minutes of the movie is like you said, jumbled and kind yeah. of forced. It's like, there's really not even an exorcism. Like I think father morning gets like three lines out. Yeah. And then he's peeled off the ceiling and just like the weird, like I said, the weird usage usage of spotlights and like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. It kind of it kind of was a shitty ending to a great movie. Yeah, I'd I'd be interested in seeing the director's cut because the director's cut won't have that ending. Yeah, so I'd like to see what the actual ending is. And it's, their director's cut is supposedly opens with Kinderman like identifying Karis's body, like it has like the flash plaque with him like identifying the body and stuff like that, in order to probably just tie everything together. That oh, he's supposed to be dead, and then when you and see what him, is oh, it on which Blu-ray? It's on the Scream Factory release. Okay. It's a two disc release and disc one is the, you know, theatrical and disc two is the director's. Yeah. Yeah. I'll uh, I'll definitely have to I'm sure there's a copy floating around. Yeah. It's it's somewhere. shorter. It's about five minutes shorter because they've removed all the father morning stuff because they just added him in order to have the whole exorcism thing. Like I like the father morning character. Yeah. But I don't know. But there's a lot of great stuff in this movie. Yeah, I mean, it's far from a perfect film, but yeah, I know it's it's like, certainly an improvement over Exorcist 2. Yeah. Yeah, which is just terrible. Yeah, it's definitely... Um, you can tell, like, it started one way and then somebody was like, okay, yeah. you got to put in some shit because nobody's gonna know what's going on here this movie yeah, no i mean this movie's too smart for people yeah it's it is a it's it's a worthy sequel i mean you're never going to match the original exorcist no but this this is an adequate companion piece like, i would I, yeah, go, go ahead. ahead no you okay. go ahead I, I would i would equate it to like you know exorcist was a landmark movie um Psycho was a landmark movie, but then Psycho 2, there's no way it can live up to Psycho, but Psycho 2 is actually a pretty decent film. Like it, it becomes more of a slasher when Psycho kind of invented that slasher whole genre. And then Psycho 2 actually adds the violence, which wasn't in the original one. It actually becomes a pretty solid movie, but obviously it's pales in comparison, but as a sequel, it's actually pretty decent. Well, if you think about it, like what sequel especially a second sequel Mm -hmm. gets this kind of cast yeah like it's they're so good Mm -hmm. and george c scott is you know sometimes a little over the top (laughs) he does he loses his temper and starts shouting for some reason just his response like look at the look at what he's going through like his like all the people he cares about are just getting murdered yeah and this this guy he's found his old friend who's now possessed and all these things are going on and yeah 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 good but yeah uh, no he 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 flies off the handle very quickly sometimes 
Yeah. Oh, just just in case you're wondering, it's now uh, twenty to nine for Kansas City. Oh, really? Yeah. Ugh, gross. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like that. So yeah, I, yeah uh, so it's one of my one of my favorite horror movies. Um, it's just got good atmosphere. Yeah. I'd good... only seen it once before, so this is kind of the first time I've seen it in a while. There's some good red herrings in it. The old, mm-hmm. the nurse that's kind of a bitch. Like you could yeah. see her as having something to do with it. Mm-hmm. Like the use of the old people doing all the yeah. the dirty work and. Mm-hmm. And uh, just, yeah. and I mean, the whole thing's highlighted by Brad Dorff's performance. Like he oh, is, yeah. like his range of emotion and just even one scene is just like it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. And this says uh, Jason Miller um, didn't die too long after this in like in real life. I don't think so. Yeah, it wasn't too long. So I know he was in he was in Rudy, which I think came out after this. Or maybe he, I don't know, but yeah. But apparently, um, like, uh, Brad Dorff has come out and said that uh, the reason why Jason Miller didn't play the entire character is because at this point, apparently, he was a raging alcoholic and had what Dorff called wet brain and really had a hard time memorizing a lot of things. So when he was in the movie, it was just because he was had like short lines and little things. And so uh, Brad Dorff was coming to do the monologues and stuff like that because Jason Miller just couldn't perform them. Uh, it was a good choice. Mm-hmm. And yeah, Jason Miller really looked old in this. Yeah. Um, and he wasn't that old. He was only 50. Yeah. So. Yeah, no, he died in, let's see here, in, in 2001. So he died 11 years after that. So. Yeah, I didn't think it was that long, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's too bad he was alcoholic because he's a good actor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, this had next. We this is the second um, Will and Peter Blatty movie that we did because we did the Ninth Configuration, and of course there's um, Scott Miller was no Scott Scott Wilson was in that. Jason Miller was in that. Ed, Ed Flanders, Flanders. Was, was in that. So yeah, and the guy who played. Uh, Father Morning was who William Peter Blatty actually wanted for the Stacey Keats role. Oh, really? Yeah. Nicole Williamson? Yeah. Who uh, played Merlin in the early Excalibur movie. Oh, yeah. And he played, uh, I think he was in, he was in Spawn. I think he played Spawn's handler, his his teacher, who one who showed him how to use the powers. Huh. Yeah. So there. All right. Yeah. So just because I know you were wondering that. Great. 90 minutes. Bad. Last 10 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. No. It, it's, what can you do? Mm-hmm. That's what happens when studios get involved. Yes. But yeah. So I guess that's that's it. Um, you know, we can go into a top five. I haven't been really watching anything different recently other than, you know, just continuing with watching my baking shows, um, you know, cause that's, that's what I like to do. Although I did start watching Superstore, which is on Netflix now. And that's actually pretty funny. I, uh, I enjoyed that. Yeah. I've never seen that. It's pretty cool. Mark, Mark McKinney's in it and he just plays this spineless kind of store manager. And he's pretty funny being a big kids in the hole fan and all that. That's it's nice to see him working. I don't know if the listeners can hear all the bullshit that's going on in my house upstairs right now, but there's like people screaming and people stomping around and dogs barking. Like I apologize. Okay. All right. Okay. I can just hear the dogs, but I can't hear any of the shouting. So if I can't Uh, hear the shouting, it's possible that the recording's not picking it up. I did try and watch WandaVision. Yeah. Ah, you out fan. there or not a fan? No. Nah. I'll start watching it. I know Nate wants to watch it, so I'll watch it with him. So I don't know. I'm kinda over Marvel right now. Until there's like a full like full on movie kind of thing, not a yeah. T V series. Yeah. 
I don't know. It's just like, it's too different. Mm. But it's got 97% on on Rotten Tomatoes. It's the highest Marvel rated Marvel product. Yeah, wait until the end of the season when it starts to suck and then... Oh, sorry, 94%, but yeah. Yeah, so um, so top... We decided to do a top five plus five so we could do a, a top ten um, for 2020, albeit uh, very limited, limited movies because, you know... We didn't go see as many as the theater and just haven't watched as many. So there just wasn't a lot out this year. So this could change very easily. So this is at, at this moment, this is the top 10 uh, for me, for, uh, for us of 2020. And so if you're sitting on, you know, waiting on bated breath for after we finish the list to go into our honorable mentions, we won't be. You can just you know end the podcast. So, do you, do you have your ten assemb- assembled? I do. Okay. Um, I think the bottom five are just kind of kind of be random. Okay, just thrown in there as movies you've seen. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I'm gonna say my number ten was Bad Boys for Life. Okay. Um, I was expecting just a turd yes because once you hit the third movie of like action cop movies it's kind of what are you gonna do especially since it's been it had been like 25 years 25 years since the original um and i was surprised it was good i enjoyed it Mm -hmm. it was maybe a little drawn out yeah but i mean i didn't care for the first bad boys and I didn't even see the second Bad Boys. The second re- one's terrible. And the reason why I didn't is just, these are two guys who can't improvise. And all they do throughout part one is just yell and bicker at each other, dropping insults, and barely any of them land properly. Yeah. And so I wasn't looking forward to seeing that, but they totally toned, they still have comedy, but they toned down their bickering and more relied on story and you know action set pieces and so for an action movie yeah it was actually pretty good yeah um and they had no problem killing off the lieutenant which kind of surprised me yeah joe pantaleone yeah um they killed the character off and you know Mm -hmm. i was surprised and that's good you kind of needed that in order so that they would have a push to yeah. continue because one of them was going to retire and so this you know, kind of need to bring them back so yeah maybe yeah. martin lawrence should retire from acting but i'm just saying okay okay so, my number my number 10 is a movie called unhinged with uh russell crowe pretty much about road rage it is like it's ridiculous but it is so engaging and just nonstop, just, you know, great car chases, great, you know, car pileups and suspense and twists and stuff like that. It's actually way more entertaining than I was expecting. And Russell Crowe is just solid as he is in most of his movies. But yeah, no, it's a, it's, it's an elevated B movie based on his performance, but yeah, it's, it's, it's been good. I uh, I got about quarter way in and I fell asleep and then I just haven't gotten back to it. But yeah, I'm gonna finish it eventually. You do that. Uh, so my number nine is New Mutants. Mm-hmm. Um, this probably wouldn't even make my top twenty list, but um, but I I actually enjoyed it. Um, mm-hmm. It was kind of like a horror movie take on like the Marvel universe X Men. Yeah. Um, New Mutants, it's all about young mutants who are you know, yeah. in this in this mansion, you know, for training yeah. or schooling or yeah. whatever. And for mutants who have just discovered their powers or whatever yeah. kind of thing, yeah. Uh, yeah. A good cast. Yeah. Um, More of a contained story, not like a world. 
yeah, outlook it, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, it was just them kind of battling their own inner demons. Yeah. You know. So yeah, that was my number nine. Yeah, no, I I liked it. Yeah, I was. Oh, I probably I don't know if it went because I went in with such low expectations that I liked it more. But yeah, it was it was decent. Um, my number nine is Borat. Um, I'm sure it's going to be higher on yours because I think you have less movies that you're working with. Yeah. Um, it's it's just funny. It's Borat. It's funny. It's enjoyable. Um, it's it's I would say as good or just under the original. So I mean, especially if it's been so long since the original and it's been so long since we've had Borat, it's certainly going to, you know, fill any void. Borat. Borat. Uh, where are we? Number eight. Number eight. Uh, my number eight is host. Mm -hmm. Uh, the internet supernatural possession ghost, um, zoom, zoom seance. Yeah. Um, good use of the medium. Mm -hmm. Um, short. Short. Yep. Short. (laughs) 60 minutes. Yeah. Um, compact they fit it all in no mm. bullshit yeah um pretty good yeah no, i enjoyed that uh my number eight is um the miserable man um it's it was a pretty unique take on the story um you know using technology and stuff like that and uh it's yeah it's good i mean i i love the original like original original with you know so rains and amazing um the acting and the special effects for 1940s yeah insanely good yeah like if you think about it like the special effects in that movie Mm -hmm. aren't that much worse than what we're getting now no crazy yeah and so this is good um elizabeth moss was pretty good in the lead it had you know it had a good twist uh, uh, yeah the scenes with her by herself yeah where you know that you know, the invisible man is in the room or whatever, or, yeah. you know, like so yeah, and good. She, and she's sensing it. So yeah, yeah, I know it's, it's, it's a, it was a well done, well done thriller. Uh, my number seven is a movie called the wolf of snow hollow. Okay. I think I heard um, that, but I haven't seen it. It's a, uh, it's a werewolf movie. It's set mm-hmm. in, I think Colorado, um, in the mountains, um, mm-hmm. under the radar movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's good. Uh, I can't remember the main actor's name, um, but he's kind of like, like an alcoholic, angry kind of guy. And he's got to, he's the cop and he's got to go up against whatever's terrorizing this little, mm-hmm. little mountain town. It's uh it's a really good movie actually. Yeah. How different would it be if it was called the wolf of stars hollow? Well, um, uh, there'd be some quirky dialogue. Yeah. Good banter back and forth. Good banter back and forth. And it would turn out that, uh, Luke would be the werewolf. Okay. (laughs) So, yeah. So, um, my number seven is the, the trial of the Chicago seven. Um, I love Aaron Sorkin. You know, he's, he's such a esteemed writer and I'll watch anything he does. And this has such a strong cast again, Sasha Baron Cohen in, in the lead. So it's like two movies in my top 10 with, with, it, with him. Um, it's really entertaining. I've read some bits about the real trial. Um, there are some liberties taken with the story, obviously for dramatic effect. Oh, but, um, otherwise it's, it's a, it's a strong and important and, it's a relative movie, but even though it's, you know, set when it, you know, back in the late sixties or set early seventies, it's still relevant now compared to what's going on in the States. So it's uh, yeah, no, it's a strong movie. Excellent. Yes. Uh, what are we at? Six, six. Uh, so mine's invisible man. So we okay. don't really need to talk about it. No. Um, good take, good yeah. modern take on the whole, the whole mystique of the invisible mm-hmm. man. Yep. Okay. Um, my number six is freaky. Um, no, a new updated version of freaky Friday, except this time a teenage girl switches bodies with a serial killer 
Um, and I think most, I mean, it's a pretty unique thing. It's got some good kills. Um, but I, it's highlighted by the performance of Vince Vaughn. Yeah, he's good. <laughs> betray, he has to portray the whole movie as though he's a teenage girl. And like, it's one of his best performances in years. And it's, yeah, it's just, it's just a fun surprise. Yeah. yeah. From the same guy who did the like happy death day, which was a pretty solid horror as well. Horror comedy. It was my number 11. Okay. Um, but yeah, you're right. Vince Vaughn was good. Um, it's been a long time. I think he's been trapped in like this romantic sleazeball comedy type mm-hmm. shit for too long. Uh, so my number five is a movie called Becky. Okay. Um, it's with Kevin James, who actually like completely departs from his usual buffoonery, dumb, dumb comedy fat guy type laugh he plays like uh the leader of like this crime gang i don't know if you've seen becky i haven't seen becky no no um and uh the young actress from uh ouija origins mm-hmm. and uh annabelle annabelle creation, yeah. annabelle creation yeah. um plays like uh kind of like a angsty teenage daughter um, and, uh, she basically gets entangled with like these, these criminals and, uh, it's a good little revenge movie. Um, it's pretty violent. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Kevin James playing a villain is actually really believable. So that's my number five. I probably have to check that out. It's good. Uh, my number five is uh, Sound of Metal. Um, it's about a drummer in a metal band who suddenly and quite rapidly loses his hearing. So it's about him coping with the loss and trying to um, regain his life. He's more focused on trying to just earn money in order so he can have a surgery to hear again. But while he's doing that, he lives in this deaf community of people who are also addicts. And so he's a former act- addict as well. So he's, he's there in order to not regress because of you know the trauma he's going through. And so he starts being ingrained in the community and being part of it. And so he finally, just, he finally raises money in order to be able to get the surgery. And then he's actually then rejected from the community because they don't see the hearing loss as a disability and the fact that he's his main goal is just to try to get his hearing back um they they won't let him stay in that community anymore and then he does get the surgery and then things just aren't what he expected it to be once he gets his hearing back and it's a really it's a really good good movie with um Riz Ahmed in the lead from uh he's a night crawler and uh and venom and stuff and uh that mini series the night of Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he's really, really good performance, and it's a pretty, uh, pretty good movie. I'll have to check that one out. Mm-hmm. Uh, where are we? Four. Yes. Uh, my four was "Let Him Go," the okay. Kevin Costner pseudo western, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, just really good, good acting. Uh, it's not a, an original story by any stretch of the imagination, but no, you know, I like the way they used like um, that whole part of the United States, like Montana, mm-hmm. Wyoming, and and Wyoming and all that as, you know, like uh, almost like a character. Mm-hmm. Um, basically their, uh, their son dies, his wife remarries, disappears with their grandson so they go looking for him um surprisingly violent ending to the movie but it's a uh, real it's a real slow burn but um in between it's just it's got some great dialogue and 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 not just stuff that's thrown in there to fill up time it actually helps build character and build up the plot and everything like it's a really really smart smart movie and when yeah 
And it's just, the whole thing's just escalating slowly and you can kind of see where it's going, but it actually even go exceeds that. And yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a good movie. And like the kind of like antagonist family, like Jeffrey mm-hmm. Donovan. Um, yeah. Well, like well, he's who, just, a, as, just a creep. Yeah. As soon as you, Jeffrey Donovan shows up in the movie, you, you know, shit's going to get crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, that's my number four. Okay. My number four is a movie called Harpoon. Um, I was trying to think of the movie you told me to watch. Yeah. yeah. And Harpoon. it's a very, very minimalist movie, a comedy horror. Almost, I mean, I, I hate to put it up in this company because, you know, it's, it, well, it, it doesn't really see it, but it's very Hitchcockian. Um, it's, you know, these three people who are on a boat. And, you know, it's three best friends. There's a couple and another one, and there's tension between them. And they end up getting stranded on this yacht, and it's them trying to survive. And it's just all, everybody's paranoid of the other person. They're not sure what's going on. It's it's similar to, I guess, Dead Calm, except yeah. uh, Billy Zane comes onto that boat afterwards and starts creating problems. But this one, everyone's on the boat at the beginning. But you there's no trust between anybody and just them trying to survive. It's crazy violent at sometimes, but it's really darkly humorous, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a really good movie. It's got Monroe chambers from turbo kid. Is yes. And Degrassi. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, no, it, that's, it was a very, it was a big surprise and I, I really enjoyed that. Yeah. That's maybe I'll watch that tonight. Okay. Uh, what are we at? Three? Yes. Uh, so my number three is Borat. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I was, wasn't expecting much. Well, I wasn't expecting anything, actually, until about yeah. a month before it came out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nobody knew what was going on. Yeah. Um, and the first one, you know, there's a lot of dialogue-driven humor. Mm-hmm. Um the whole fish out of water they drew off that yeah this one there is a lot more vulgarity yes um and it's almost set pieces right yeah right. and the daughter brings a whole new element because borat kind of you know he's been to america before but the daughter mm-hmm. she hasn't been outside of uh, a bar <laughs> you know <laughs> So, like, she's discovering, you know, she doesn't have to take people's shit. And yeah. it just it just makes for good, you know. Yeah. And mm-hmm. for him to, like, kind of infiltrate, like, the group of ignorant people that he yeah. does again. Yes. Like. Uh, he, he is, without exaggeration, he is putting his life on the line every time he, he does that. Absolutely. And like, he's yeah. the king of like, I don't know if it's satire or what, but mm-hmm. you know, he's, he knows how to do it. Yes. Um, so yeah, Borat yeah. subsequent movie film is my number three. Okay. My number three is one you've mentioned already and that's let him go. So we can move on. Yeah. That's, it's great movie. So anything where Kevin Costner wears a cowboy hat is probably yes. pretty good. Yes. And, and didn't, we didn't mention, but Diane Lane plays his wife and she's really strong uh, in the part as well. Yeah. So I have a feeling that our, our one and two are going to be flip flopped. Yeah, possibly. Uh, yeah. So do you want me to just say my number two? And if it's your number one, we'll just talk about it or sure. Why not? So my number two is Palm Springs. My number two is Palm Springs. So there we go. Okay, let's talk about it. It's Palm Springs. So um, basically, it's Groundhog Day, but reinvented. Yeah. A little little darker. It's not as fantasy-like, like Frank Capra-esque. I would say the original Groundhog Day is more like, this is more, try to be more grounded in science. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so good. Um, Mm -hmm. Like it's, like I love Andy Samberg. Yeah. Um, but he seems to always play like the same, you know, like goofball comedy, yes. hot, hot rod and pop star and shit like yeah. that. But this one, he's actually like, you know, 
He's like, I've been stuck in this time loop for five years now. Yeah. And, you know, I'm just going to, I know what happened, so I'm just going to act like a goofball. Yeah. And uh, so he, um, uh, then a, a woman gets sucked into the time loop with him because yes. he goes into the secret cave. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so then she's, you know, trying to adjust to this thing and, Mm -hmm. and of course he's he's experienced at it so he can tell her kind of he can navigate her through what they can do and what they can't do and that kind of stuff yeah and and then you find out too that somebody else he brought somebody else in there he thought somebody else wanted to live the day over and over again because he was having such a great time but of course that's jk simmons and he then is continually trying to get revenge on Andy Samberg throughout the whole movie for yeah, it's beautiful making him stay in this time. Yeah, like they couldn't have picked anybody better than J.K. Simmons to yeah, you know. Um, so yeah, like it's just it's it's great movie, um, mm-hmm. very quirky, very unexpected. Yeah, um, but very enjoyable. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that would be my number two as well. So I think I know what your number one is, which will probably be my number one. And what is your number one? I'm going to say The Gentleman. Yay! Yay. Number ones. Which is like one of the only movies I saw at the theater, and I did actually happen to see it twice. I think it might even be the first thing I saw at the theater this year, and it held on to that place the entire time. And it is just a fantastic ensemble. It's... Guy Ritchie just doing what he does best and returning to form from like snatch. And he is just, he's just killing it. Yeah. It's, it's pretty much snatch with a different cast. Yeah. But that's what we needed out of yeah. Guy Ritchie. Yeah. You know? Just a bunch of low life criminals, crime, like, comedy, just, yeah, it's a great, great cast. Yeah. Um, Matthew McConaughey, Charlie Hunan, yeah. Colin, Farrell, Colin Farrell, Hugh Grant, Hugh Grant, um, yeah. and Hugh Grant is awesome. Like he just plays oh, yeah. a like cringy scumbag, skivvy investigative yeah. reporter, like you know, private detective kind of thing. Yeah, and yeah, it's it's so good. I mean, it's so many good twists and turns, and so many different storylines going on at the same time that are interwoven. And yeah, it's it's it's, it's a brilliant piece. Yeah, it's not going to get any sort of Academy Award recognition, but I mean, it's it's just a fun, fun movie, and I've I've probably seen it three times now at least. And yeah, yeah, I've watched it a couple times. And yeah, I haven't grown tired of it at all. Yeah, it's a good crime comedy Mm -hmm. action caper, and like uh, Colin Farrell and his crew, yes, like a boxing club i guess yeah are they boxing yeah they're boxing I think they're, yeah i don't think they're mixed martial i think they're just they're just boxing and basically the the kids at his boxing um are at boxing have, club are in a they're a gang of their own yes and they happen to like to make music videos <laughs> yes like <laughs> aspiring rappers and will do their crimes and film them and then make music videos of what they've done. Yes. And like some of the dialogue is like, wow, did he actually say that? Yes. Like, mm-hmm. did he put that in the dialogue? Like, it's yeah. just good. Mm-hmm. A yeah, hawk. No. Yes. Yeah. It's a, it's a great movie. Yeah. It was a so, fun yeah, time. So, so that is our, our top 10. And again, depending on what movies I watch in the next couple of weeks or so, you know, things can move around. I don't, I don't see gentlemen falling off the top unless I just get blown away by something. But yeah, yeah. anything, anything below that can move. I'm in my opinion. Yeah. There's a couple like, uh, I want to watch like uh, Nomadland, Right. And, uh, I'll probably watch one night in Miami, but usually yeah. movies like that aren't, eh, I don't know. They're good, yeah. but mm-hmm. they're not my thing, you know? Yeah. So, okay. uh, so yeah, yeah. So I think that's 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 uh, that's a wrap on uh, on on this one. Yeah, and Hank Aaron died this week. Yes, he did, and and Larry King, and and like it's crazy because like 
they're both guys that were really like Hank Aaron, name a more impactful, iconic baseball player. Mm -hmm. You know, Babe Ruth, uh, Hank Aaron, Mickey Mantle, like, you know, and then Larry King, like, and, and Kelly Gruber. Yeah. Kelly Gruber, (laughs) George Springer, new blue Jay. Yep. All right. I guess that's it. Mm -hmm. This will wrap it up. Yes. And so, um, until next time, this is uh, Scott signing off for Flixmax. And this is Terrence signing off for Flixmax. Oh, wow. The pod that rocks your bod. Yes. Oh, you almost forgot. So I got it in. Yep. All right. So, until uh, next time, toodles. Toodles.